Amen. You may be seated, everybody. We have victory in Jesus. And that's what today's message is all about, is how we have victory through the cross. Again, if you look at the cross, especially if you were there, it didn't look anything like victory to Jesus. And, and we'll talk more about that later, but it is the symbol that looked like defeat, but ultimately is our victory that we as believers here 2,000 years later, we are remembering back to the cross and it is how we are eternally victorious. In Christ, we win. Everybody say win. Where are my overly competitive people in the room? Come on, raise your hand high. Overly competitive. Okay, can we just admit that we have a problem? <laughs> we need a support group. I am, I am also very competitive. It doesn't matter if it's flag football or Pictionary. I can tend to be very competitive. I have seen the sanctifying work of Jesus appear in my life, especially in this area. I used to be really, really, really bad. Now I'm just bad, so I'm, I'm <laughs> progressing. <laughs> but I can remember even as a kid, I hated losing. Like, <laughs> ridiculous how I would just cry and pout if I lost. And I'm going to tell on myself, but I remember when I was uh, about 10 years old, I was playing my PS2, PlayStation 2, and playing this game called Tekken. Anybody ever played Tekken before? Okay, wow. Okay. <laughs> Everybody knows Mortal Kombat. Tekken was kind of like Mortal Kombat, just different. But you just have this one-on-one -on -one fighting going on. And I was playing this level, you know, how it goes. You play like 10 characters, and then you play the boss character. And if you beat the boss, you get like a new character to play with, which is awesome. And so... I'm playing these levels, I defeat all 10 people, and I get to the final boss. And it was literally, the character's name was the devil. And he looked like the devil, at least what America or the world tries to depict of the devil. You know, the great big beast with dragon-like wings. For some reason, he was purple in this. Um, but I'm 10 years old, trying to beat the devil with my character, and I could not do it. Literally like 20 times tried to defeat the devil and I could not do it. And again, I'm competitive as all get out, especially when I was 10. And I'm literally like crying, trying to just imagine 10 year old me trying to beat the devil on my PS2 and I couldn't do it. So I threw the remote control and I ran into my room and I went to my window and I'm staring out the window with my fists clenched. I'm so angry because I could not win. And again, I'm telling on myself. I got so mad that I reared back and I punched a hole through the window. <laughs> just, just straight through. And again, as soon as I do it, I, then I look through the window and there's my mom on the front porch looking at me. <laughs> so of course she ran in and she was like, what is going on? Why did you do that? Like, I can't beat the devil on the PlayStation 2 and I keep losing and literally I don't you know this is not the best parenting advice but literally she laughed at me and walked out 
<laughs> and that's all I remember. I don't remember anything else ever happening other than her like duct taping a towel over the window. But I wanted to win so bad that I couldn't and it drove me crazy. And I, I say that story because here's the bad news of life. All of humanity has many enemies and our biggest enemies we're gonna talk about today, they're named Satan, sin, and death. Satan, and of course the demonic realm, sin and death. You see these enemies at work every day, you watch their work on the news, you see them on social media, they're at work 24 seven, they are fighting against us. And here's more bad news for the competitive people. If it's us versus them, we lose every time. If it's us in our own strength versus Satan, sin, and death, we lose every time. There is no amount of effort or achievement or strategy that we can muster up in our own strength and our own power to defeat and win against these enemies, even for the most competitive, smart, strategic person. It just is not going to work. If it's you and your own strength versus Satan, versus death, versus sin, you lose every time. Kind of like I did in my PS2 game versus the devil. It's just not going to work. This is the bad news for every person that is alive today on the earth. But here's the good news. Through the life and through the death of Christ he personally came and defeated each of our enemies on our behalf so that those who are in him can have the victory because we can't do it. He came and did it on our behalf. Church history calls this topic Christus Victor. It's Latin for Christ the victor. It's an entire theological thing on Christ the victor, how we are victorious in Christ. And for all who belong to Jesus, we have that victory over Satan, over sin, and ultimately over death. Praise God for that. So that's the introduction. We're going to talk about how we have victory over Satan, over sin, and over death. And so the first thing is through the cross, we have victory over Satan and demons. Over Satan and over demons, all of us are born in captivity to Satan in the kingdom of darkness. This is very clear in scripture. When we are born, we are born as captives in the kingdom of darkness. The Bible refers to humanity lots of times as captives in war. And so in Luke 4:18, Jesus, he speaks of himself saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he says, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set, all, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And so Jesus says this. He's actually quoting Isaiah like we just read. But he, he says that this prophet Isaiah was seeing him as the one that the Spirit of the Lord would be upon to set the captives free. And he said this because there's no way that Satan 
would release us from his captivity, and there's no way we could free ourselves. Therefore, Jesus came as our triumphant warrior and liberator, and through the cross, he defeated Satan, and he made a way for us to be free, which is why Colossians chapter 1, 13 through 14 says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we have victory over Satan and over demons. We have victory over Satan and over demons. <laughs> if you look at the life of Jesus on the earth, you just see constantly this back and forth wrestling, fighting, warring against Satan. The Bible says that Satan, knowing Jesus would be born soon, he influenced King Herod to kill all firstborns of that time. And so you see Satan, in essence, was trying to murder Jesus before he was even able to grow to fulfill the plan of God. And then you see, as soon as Jesus starts his ministry at age 30, guess who immediately shows up to tempt Jesus? Satan. And he tempted Jesus three times, trying to derail Jesus from fulfilling the plan. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but specifically the third time Satan tempted Jesus, he tempted Jesus with a promise of the kingdoms of the world. You see it in Matthew chapter 4, in verse 8. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. So think about it. What did Jesus come to do on the earth? And what is he still doing to this day through the church? To eternally save the kingdoms of the world. He came, in essence, to rule and reign over all kingdoms of the world. And so what Satan was tempting Jesus here, he was tempting him with a quick fix, pain-free way of, of obtaining what he came to do. So it's like, if this is Jesus and this is what he came to do, Satan was saying, you can bypass the in-between and go ahead and get what you want. Just bow and worship me. It was a crossless receiving of the kingdoms of the world. It's easy to read that and go, not that big a deal. I mean, he was hungry. But just think about this. Satan was tempting Jesus with a far easier life than the one planned for him by the Father. And Satan offered a kingdom without a cross and promised that Jesus could rule in power and glory without any opposition without putting up with any hard-headed disciples, without putting up with people like you and me, without sleeping in the cold, without experiencing the pain and agony of the cross, Satan said, you can bypass all of that. Just bow and worship me. Which, by the way, would have blown up the entire plan to save humanity, which is why Jesus, though tempted, though wrestling, you know, he's fully God, fully man, and that, that humanity part of him was being tempted, that human will. However, praise God that Jesus was victorious over the temptation there. And he would go 
and for the next three years proclaim the kingdom of God is here. He would heal people. He would, he would live and ultimately give himself over to the Roman soldiers and the religious leaders to be tortured and crucified. And what seemed like Satan finally defeating the Son of God was ultimately the way that Jesus would defeat Satan. I've heard it said the great deceiver was deceived by God on the cross. And what seemed like a cross of defeat to Jesus was actually a cross of defeat to Satan. And it was the cross of victory that would pay the way for us now as captives to have a way to freedom. So through the cross, we have freedom and victory over Satan and the demonic world. And so to apply this to us, we live in a culture and society that is fascinated by the supernatural. And I don't want to repeat a lot of what was said last fall when we did a series on the supernatural. But can we just all agree once again that the supernatural unseen realm is real? And it's at work among us. But the sad part is the movies, the shows, even the video games, they are made to convince us that Satan and demons are stronger than we are and that we are ultimately hopeless, which is true in your own strength. But if you're in Christ, complete lie. But even as believers, I see it. I experience it too. Even as believers, we can go, but is that real? Is that really true? Do I really have authority over Satan and demons? I mean, what does that matter to me anyways? I don't see demonically possessed people running down Case and Lane every day. That's what I thought until last year when I'm sitting face to face with the girl that was clearly demonically possessed. And long story short, would ultimately see Jesus show up through me and Cole Martinez to see this girl leave free, free from any demonic spirit she had. And so I just say that to say it's, it, is, it isn't common for us to see demon-possessed people pop up, but I wonder how, how much more common it is than we would like to admit. And what we just shrug off as, well, they're just like that, or they're just, yeah. I don't know, not every case. But what I'm praying for is that the Holy Spirit would rise up in his church to give us discernment and what is shrugged off would actually be seen as what it actually is and it's spiritual warfare and we would go at it. And the point in this is that we as believers in Christ, we have authority over those things. The lie that tells you you don't, the movies that flash in your brain that show you getting your tail kicked by a demon, if you're in Christ, that is not true. It is not true. So why should we fear? We have victory. And if you find yourself in a spiritual warfare season, stop saying, the devil's just, he's getting at us again. Oh no, stand in your authority. 
You have authority over Satan and demons. In Jesus' name, you can fight back and say no in Jesus' name. It's not us. It's not our strength. Again, this is why I would say, like Jesus, we can model. He, he, when he fought Satan, what did he do? He quoted scripture. He quoted scripture. And so we too should follow him and his model. And we memorize scripture, fight with scripture, stand in authority and put the foot down with your family, with your marriage, with your workplace, whatever it is. In Jesus' name, we have victory over Satan and demons through the cross. Do you believe that? I could go on and on and on and just take the whole message on that singular topic. But we have two more points. Number one, we have victory over Satan and demons. This is an element of Christ the victor. He has won the victory over Satan and demons. But number two, through the cross... We have victory over sin. Just like we were born in captivity to Satan, we were also born in captivity to our sin. So let's spend some time talking through Colossians 2, 13 through 14. I've been so excited to share this with you. It says in verse 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside by nailing it to the cross. So a lot happening there. But in these verses... In the beginning part, the Apostle Paul is referring to the law of the Old Testament. It's the beginning part, very beginning of the Bible. It's the law and how God gave us the law to show us our sin. It's like an MRI machine that reveals cancer in someone's body. The Mosaic law, like the Ten Commandments and the other elements of the law, they were given to reveal within us sin to show that we are unholy however the law could not save us just like an MRI machine cannot remove cancer it just reveals it the apostle Paul he's referring to the law he's saying because of this law it reveals in all of us that we are trespassers we are sinners we are unholy And when he says, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, it's just a way of saying you're by nature sinners. It's just in you. It's just in your DNA to sin against God and choose your own way and to ultimately break his law. It's a lot of bad news. But Paul continues on with good news. He says, going back to Colossians 2, he says, though you are dead, Sinners by actions and sinners by nature. However, God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, which means ways we have broken God's law. Go ahead and put Colossians 2 back on the screen. He says, having forgiven us all our trespasses 
And he forgave us by, verse 14, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside by nailing it to the cross. So what this verse is doing, it's giving us an image of a record. And this record contains every sinful thing you have ever done. It's a record of debt that stands against us with all of our sin. It's sinful acts we've committed. It's the sin of our attitude, of our thoughts, of our nature, of our motives, of our actions. Every sinful thing you have ever done all contained on this record. How many of you would agree that that's going to be a long, extensive record? I know mine would be. And here's what Paul is saying. Because of that record of debt, you are in direct violation of God's standard of perfection. And you're in violation to his standard of holiness. Therefore, because of that violation, a legal demand is required. And that legal demand is eternal death and damnation. Because of our sin... The legal demand is that we would die and be eternally separated from God. But what makes Colossians 2.14 one of my most favorite verses is that word canceling. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us. So did God just ignorantly turn his face away and just look over our sin? No. No. That would violate his holy character and his justice. Someone had to pay this record. So who would pay the penalty and stand in our place? Who would willingly take upon themselves the punishment for our sin? Who would suffer and who would die to satisfy the legal demands against us? Who would do that? Jesus. Jesus did on the cross. He paid, in the, he paid in full the legal demands of our record of debt. This is why we worship and sing songs like, oh, Christ be magnified. We want to magnify Christ. We want his name to be greater and bigger than my name, than your name, than any name, than the name Christian Life Church, Jesus. Magnify his name. So because of the cross... Our record has been canceled. In Greek, the word used for canceled is the word exalipho. If you're a nerd like me, you love this stuff. Back in the time of scripture being written, they didn't have paper and pens like we have today. They used material like papyrus to write on. And people would create documents and records using papyrus material. And the ink that they had, they would write on it, but it, it wasn't pens like we have today. So the ink, you could see it, you could read it, but it wouldn't absorb into the material, nor would it dry. It would just sit on top. So when they had a document, they were very careful. And so for us, it's the equivalent of a whiteboard. How you can write on a whiteboard unless it's a Sharpie, which we've all 
done that accidentally before. So a whiteboard, when you write on it, it just sits there. This is kind of like what Papyrus did. And so I have this whiteboard because I want to do something. I want to just give you a visual example of what this verse in Colossians was saying. So, again, I'm going to reveal myself again. This is a record of all of my sin. I'm going to just put on a whiteboard every single sin I've ever committed. (laughs) Not really, obviously. But I literally tried to sit there and just put as much as I could on a whiteboard of just all of my sins. So go ahead and read it and go ahead and judge me. I know you are. I'll give you a second. (laughs) But this is the record of my sin all on a whiteboard. And so, again, I tried to go back as far as I could and remember things. I didn't obviously go into detail. But, you know, you have, for example, I remember being... I think four or five, and I stole a piece of gum from a gas station. And it's funny, we laugh at it as a four or five-year-old, but because I did that, I'm charged now with being a thief. Again, it's funny to think as a little kid, but before a holy God, I'm charged now as a thief. I can also remember in high school, Spanish too. I needed a good grade. And so on my final, I needed to pass. And so I strategically sat to the guy that speaks fluent in Spanish, not sure how he was in the class. But I figured he would get a good grade on the final, so I sat next to him, and I I cheated. I did the whole C-A-B-B-C-D-A-B-B thing. And I cheated. I'm confessing it now. I guess I'll lose my high school education. But I cheated. So what that does, before a holy God, I'm now a cheater and a liar. On and on and on the list could go. Now, if you get serious, for about eight years of my life, I had a secret sin of pornography. I was in an addiction to pornography for eight years of my life that really no one knew about. So what does that do before a holy God who does know I am now in violation to his law? I am sexually immoral to him. On and on and on and on the list could go. Rebellion. I I wanted the glory. I even have found myself as a pastor doing things and hoping that you see me. Doing godly things with an inner motive of this little weird thing creeping up going, I hope they see. That's self-glory. I violated God's law. I've been passive. I've been an idolater. I've been an angry person. I I could take the rest of the day telling you about that and how my anger drove me to do. I mean, you heard it. I punched a hole through a dumb window because I was angry. I was a coward. I got in fights with other people, jealous. I I was unforgiving towards people, hated people, held bitterness. On and on and on the list could go. This is my record of sin. I wonder what would be on your record. (laughs) You don't want to (laughs) know. Every sin you ever committed and will commit all on a record. This is the record that Colossians is talking about. And here's the good news. Because of Christ, 
willingly dying in my place and bearing upon himself all of my sin, he paid every penalty that is due of all of this sin by his death on a cross. And so when the verse said God canceled the record, he exalifoed my sin. If you go back to the papyrus paper, papyrus paper held ink on it, but it wouldn't absorb. So what exalifo means is through the death of Christ, as he died in my place, he literally, every ounce of blood that spread on his body, the nails through his hand when he was whipped and tortured. Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, this whiteboard, you can see the smears, but exalifo means to wipe clean as if there was no writing on there in the first place. Completely clear. That's exalifo. Like wiping ink off of papyrus material, what they would do is they would wipe the ink off of the records and documents. And when they were done wiping, you would look at it and you would see no evidence of it ever been, being written on in the first place. So what this means is that for those who are in Christ, our record of debt has been canceled. Yeah. Canceled as if it never was written on in the first place. And that, everybody, is the gospel. That's why we love Jesus, why we magnify the name of Jesus. And so I could get lost in this point and, again, just take the rest of the day. But through the cross, we have victory over sin. And as believers, we are in the war now of ridding ourselves through the Holy Spirit of sin. We are fighting it. I pray that if you're a believer in Christ, you hate your sin. You hate it. I know I hate mine. And if I could be bold enough to say, if you claim the name of Jesus, yet love your sin and deliberately give yourself over to sin and you don't care, I would plead with you to reevaluate whether you know Christ at all. If you are in Christ, your record's been canceled wiped clean as if it was never written on in the first place. Past sin, present sin, and tomorrow's sin, and the future's sin. The beautiful mystery of the gospel is that you and I, if we are truly in Christ, even when we fall, I'm not saying you gotta be perfect. We're striving for perfection through the Spirit. But even in Christ, when we fall, when we stumble, when we struggle, we hate our sin, but we still we stumble, we fall. But when we fall, we can get back up and see our record is still clean, wiped clean. So for the believer, keep warring against your sin through the Spirit, knowing that your record 
is completely clean. Again, amazing. Wiped clean as if there was never anything. When Jesus looks at me, and when God looks at me now, all he sees is Christ. He doesn't see stole a piece of gum, pornography addiction, angry, liar, thief. He doesn't see that. He sees Christ. And so, if you would give me just a second, I have to do this. If I can tie back in point number one and point number two. So point two, you're victorious over sin. And if I can tie back, if you continue on in Colossians chapter two, verses 15, remember we're victorious over Satan and demons. Colossians 2:15, proclaiming that our record of sin has been canceled, the Bible says, he, Jesus, disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So you may not know this, but Paul here, the way he was writing, he was using the imagery of a Roman celebration after a war. So after a war was won by a Roman military leader, the leader would ride in through town on his horse and the town would surround and they would have a celebration. They'd have music and dancing and food. And they would all applaud the Roman leader that conquered the victory or conquered the enemy and won the victory. And so you'd have this leader and then behind him in the parade would be all of the soldiers that fought the war with him. All of the people that were in his army that helped him defeat the enemy but then the very last group to march in in this Roman parade was the enemy. And so just imagine how defeating that would have felt. All these people are cheering and dancing and cheering for the conquering victor, and then here comes the enemy. They're not fighting anymore, they're disarmed. They don't have their weapons. They're disarmed. And as they walk down the road behind the people they just lost to, just imagine the shame that they felt, just how defeating it felt to have to walk in this parade. This is the imagery the Apostle Paul says. Jesus, through the cross, disarmed the enemy and put them to open shame. Again, what this means is sin, Satan, and demons, they walk behind Christ and his people. They walk in defeat. They walk in defeat with their heads hung low, disarmed, with no more ability to attack and harm Christ and his people because Jesus won the victory, and he's the one that people shout and dance to. He's the conquering king and victor, and we just get to walk behind him and claim that victory too. While our enemy is behind us, Satan, demons, and sin. Amen? Awesome. All right. So if I can just apply this to your life, I need you to remember your record has been canceled. If the enemy tries to accuse you, you find yourself driving in the car or going along or a conversation happens and you leave it and that voice of accusation 
comes to your mind, you're a thief, you're a liar. Remember what you did? You remember what you said that one time? God's mad at you. Yeah, yeah, the guy at the church said your record is clean, but yours isn't. When that voice of accusation comes, God's mad at you. He's punishing you. This is happening because of what you did. No, not true. If the scripture is the perfect word of God, your record's clean, past, present, and future, and you can respond to the enemy. No, no, no. According to Colossians 2, my debt has been canceled through the cross, and you can speak to your accuser and say, no, 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 I am free and victorious in Christ. Get behind me. Okay. (laughs) Final point, and it's very, very shortened and simplified. The final point is this. In Christ, we have victory over death, over Satan and demons, over sin and over death. We could spend hours talking about this, but we know that in Christ, we have victory over death. Death, 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through 57, says the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So because of sin, death became a reality. We read that back in Genesis 3, when death became a reality, it was a result of sin. Breaking God's law is sin, and sin led to death. But praise God, we echo too. Praise be to God. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you are in Christ, then though our earthly bodies may experience physical death, we will be forever alive in Christ. We just sang this truth. Death is just a doorway into resurrection life. That's all it is. If we experience physical death, it's just a doorway into resurrection life. We were never supposed to experience death, but praise God that he made a way that for those in Christ, death is defeated. And one day when Jesus comes back, you know we love that topic, when Jesus is going to come back, when he, the Bible says, it's no doubt, there's no there's no questioning at all. When Jesus comes back, the Bible says the final, the final enemy that he is going to put to its knees is death. Death will be no more. When Christ returns, death will be no more. We'll spend eternity with him in glory, and we will have no more funerals. We'll be reunited with those who have gone before us in Christ. We'll be reunited with them, and death will be no more. No more funerals, no more tears, no more pain. No more, because through the cross, we have victory in Jesus over death. So victory over Satan and demons, victory over sin, and victory over death. Praise God. Go ahead and stand with me as we begin to close today push this back
So as we close today, this was the final message on the cross. If you've missed any Sundays, I encourage you, go back and just listen. But this series on the cross, our prayer and our hope is that it just emboldens you with confidence that your eternity is secure in Jesus through the cross. And so with each of those topics I covered, I just, I just want to say, if you are here today and you discern in your spirit that you are in a season of spiritual warfare, be reminded that through the cross, you have victory over Satan and demons. You can stand in authority. You can pray in authority in Jesus' name because of the cross and demons and spiritual warfare, all of, all of that, they have to flee at the name of Jesus. And what the enemy wants to do is convince you that you are powerless and you are hopeless and that you should just tolerate his attacks. No. If you are a believer in Christ, you can stand in confident authority. You can, like our Lord Jesus, respond with scripture and say, no, the word says right here, fill in the blank. You can stand in authority. So if that's you, be reminded in the cross, you have victory over Satan and demons. If you're here today and you find yourself struggling with past shame from past sin and condemnation, be reminded you have the victory in Jesus over sin. Your record has been wiped clean with the blood of Jesus. Like the scripture says, though our sin is like scarlet, he has made us, made us, made us through the cross white as snow. So your record is clean. And it's a lot cleaner than that whiteboard is. <laughs> so as you fight against sin through the spirit, you fight from victory. And God is pleased to call you his child. So you have victory. And then the last thing, if you find yourself wrestling with anxiety over death, be reminded that in Jesus, you have victory over death. We don't have to fear it. The cross was enough to make a way for us to live eternally secure in him. Because we have victory. Everybody say victory. victory. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have victory. We have the victory. So let me pray and then we'll worship. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we are victorious in your cross. That the symbol that looked like defeat, the symbol where you died, where you bled, where you suffered in our place. Lord, it's our symbol of victory. And Lord, we thank you for the cross. May this be the final thing we do in this series. We just say thank you. We thank you for the cross, Jesus. We lift your name high. We know we don't deserve it. There's nothing we could do to earn it. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you that you would forgive somebody like me, that you would even call me your own, and you would even use me. I know I'm grateful, Lord. So I pray your cross would be a reality like never before in all of our lives. For the one that finds themselves 
faking their way through life, even here at church, faking their way through Christianity. Lord, I pray that you would convict them, draw them to yourself, show them your glory and your grace, and that all of us would be truly in you, Jesus. For all of us that may have been following you for a long time, Lord, I pray you do. Like Sean said earlier, restore to us the joy of your salvation. Restore to us the joy of the cross being our victory. God, help us be a church that declares and stands in authority over the enemy. God, help us to be a light to our community and to the world to proclaim that Jesus on the cross was enough to forgive everyone. So Lord, use us, ignite a fire in this church once again to go and tell of the wonderful things of God. Lord, we love you. We lift your name high. We just want to worship you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.